Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Hi guys, and welcome to another new episode of Uni Therapy. My name is Kat, and we are going to have some fun today. So today's episode is all about imposter syndrome, and I could talk about the episode for a whole episode before I cue in the conversation I had with our guest today, because man, did this thing hit me hard. And to be honest, I've had a lot of people ask me to do an episode on this, but I never knew really how I would make a whole episode out of it because I don't consider myself an expert in this thing, <laughs> which like what that is imposter syndrome in its most pure form of me not thinking that I can do something that I'm fully capable of doing, which is just so funny to me. But then I got connected with our guest because she is somebody who has been publicly talking about this topic on some of the platforms where she speaks. And our guest's name is Tanya Rad. She is the co-host of On Air with Ryan Seacrest, and she is the host of her own podcast that she does with her best friend, Becca Tilly. That podcast is called Scrubbing In. And she has been talking about the experience of imposter syndrome on those platforms for some time now. And somebody thought it would be a good idea to connect us and have this conversation. And it was a great idea. And you'll hear in the beginning of this that I was having my own imposter syndrome moment about having a conversation about imposter syndrome with Tanya. And it's just so funny how this stuff can really, it can affect anybody. And it's not something that you see. It's something that we individually feel. And one thing I want to do before I cue in the conversation that I have with Tanya is I want to talk a little bit about what imposter syndrome is from a blank slate because, I mean, a lot of you might know what it is. I think it's nice to have an even playing field. So just get some some information to jump in on. So what is imposter syndrome? 
It is doubting your abilities and feeling like a fraud, basically. And it affects high achieving people way more. And what it does is it creates this story that makes us question whether or not we are deserving of accolades. What happens is the people that are struggling with this will actually attribute their accomplishments to external or transient causes like luck or good timing or effort that they can't explain. So I did an Instagram poll on um, my Instagram at cat.defada if you want to follow me. And 90% of the people that answered the question said that at some point they have struggled with this. And while I am very aware that my Instagram is not a valid research measure, I did look up valid recent research and two things. One, this affects women more than men and over 60% of women will at some point struggle with this in their life, which I think is a lot. That's over half. So then I asked you guys to tell me what your imposter voice says to you, because I think it's nice to be able to hear what other people's imposter says. So we can say, oh, I experienced that as well. I'm not alone in this. These are some of the answers that I got. You're bad at your job. You're not qualified. You're going to fail. People tell me I'm good at my job or pretty because they feel sorry for me. You got where you are because of luck. You haven't done enough. This comes naturally for everyone except you. You're only good at the things you're good at because they're easy. How can you help others when you are so messed up? You are less than everyone, so you have to work harder than everyone. Everyone else knows something that you don't, and you don't deserve this. Not very nice things that this voice says. And then this voice that says these things ends up looking like this in life. So it can look like anxiety of failing, feeling like you have to be your best 100% of the time, which is so crazy to think that you can be going 100%, 100% of the time. Nobody can do that. Just want to let you know. Generally feeling like you're not good enough. Comparing. This looks like a lot of comparing. And like we've said, feeling like you don't deserve the things you have. Over-preparing or procrastinating. And just a general fear of being found out. I do have a spoiler. I don't necessarily have a solution for this. That's not what this conversation in this episode is about. But what I wanted to do today is just have a simple conversation to normalize the feelings and reduce the shame that feeds those feelings. Because I've said this before, I'll say it again, and I'll continue over and over and over and over to say this, shame feeds off of us not talking about our shame. So now that I'm saying this, I actually think maybe I do have a solution. And it's what we're doing right now. The solution is to talk about it. So we can stop feeding the shame that this idea lives off of. With that, I also think things that help this experience to be minimized is when we stay focused on measuring our own achievements by our own achievements and move away from this place of comparison, which I know is so hard to actually do. It's a a great idea when it comes down to it. It's hard to just stop yourself from comparing, but I want to encourage you to be aware when you start to do that and then ask yourself to pull back a little bit validate yourself versus looking at other people to see if you are worthy of being validated. So hopefully the conversation that I am about to share with you builds some connection and hopefully that connection built can help alleviate some of the shame that we breed when it comes to this. By the way, I do want to say this and I think it's kind of funny because you know, the topic I forgot to hit record (laughs) on my individual recording device when we were doing this episode until like five minutes in. So you'll notice in the beginning, the audio, my audio is kind of like 
weird. And then it changes and it gets very clear all of a sudden. And that's because of that mistake I made. And I could tell myself a story about me being an imposter and how I am not good at what I do. And how could I forget that? And also it happens. It happens. So just if you're wondering why the sound is a little weird, that's why. And uh, I hope you enjoy this conversation. So here's my conversation with Tanya. All right, guys, we are back and I have my new friend, Tanya here, ready to talk about something that we have not addressed yet, which is imposter syndrome. And I need to start with this. I need to tell you this because I was thinking when Elizabeth sent the email and connected us, Uh my first thought, because when you responded, I think you said, I'm not an expert in this, but I love talking about it, right? Something like that. And in my head, I go, well, I'm not an expert in this either. So maybe I shouldn't be talking about it either. And then I was like, no, cat, that's okay. That's the point of the conversation. And then last night I was doing dishes and I was just cleaning my house by myself. And I literally had the thought to myself, how am I going to do this tomorrow? It was really more of like, who am I to think that I can have an interview with somebody who literally speaks on the radio and does interviews for a living. Like, why would I, why am I doing that? I can't do that. That's exactly the problem. Yes. Yeah. Then I I had that moment. I had that thought and then I was like, oh my God, this is, this is imposter syndrome in its biggest, best form. Yeah. I think a lot of people struggle with it on a daily basis in so many ways in their work world in their home life in their friendship circles. And they can't quite pinpoint it. Like they have that feeling, but they don't really know exactly how to pinpoint it. So the more I've been talking about it and sharing it and calling it imposter syndrome, so many people have reached out and been like, that's exactly how I feel. I, that is me to a T. And I think that it's like you, we all have these feelings deep down, but we can't quite pinpoint what it is. Right. For me, it was a feeling of like, I'm not enough. Mm-hmm. Or like, I'm a fraud. Mm-hmm. Maybe that came up. So tell me about like, you started just talking about this. You had a feeling and then you started talking about it. So what did that look like? Or what does that look like? For me, it started out because of the way that I got my career started, essentially. So when you start in radio, the the way that you do it, and I, I you can't see me, obviously, because it's a podcast, but I'm doing the air quotes. The way you get started in radio is you go to a small town and you have like a midday show or like a night show or something, you know, like you have those late night hours and you're just in a small city and you work your way up to LA. And I never really sought out to be an on-air personality. I was a producer and I loved producing. I loved being, I always knew I wanted to be in the music business. I didn't know if it was a label, if it was in radio, like I just didn't really know. And so I was producing at the time and it's kind of a, it was a wild story. The way that I got my position to be an on-air talent is just very unconventional and very not the way you're supposed to do it. And so I was made to feel like I didn't really earn my spot or that I wasn't good enough or that I didn't do it the way I was supposed to. So I don't know what I was doing and I'm not capable and all of those things really early on. And I think I didn't realize how jarring that was Mm -hmm. until I started getting more responsibility and other people started seeing value in me and trusting me with bigger things and I struggled a lot when I started getting TV stuff. I was prepping hours, hours, days, days, because I Mm. felt like I was an imposter. I shouldn't be there. I don't deserve to be 
interviewing these people on television, on a carpet. I didn't do it the right way. I didn't go, you know what I mean? Like I always, mm -hmm. that was how it was ingrained in me. And I still suffer with it to this day. Like it's something that I think can get so ingrained in you that it really affects you and has a bigger impact than you realize. And you really have to like work through it. Like I actually genuinely before any time I'm doing something new, I have to like have a pep talk with myself and say like, you are capable, you are good. Mm -hmm. You're here for a reason. I have to say those things out loud because yeah. I still have it really bad. Yeah. So in your head for you, since you didn't go the traditional route or it wasn't the traditional way or the way you're supposed to do it, what was the reasoning for you getting where you were? What did you tell yourself? That That's a really good question. I think that it was, I was just authentically who I am. So I was a producer for Ryan and we just had a really good rapport. You know, he would talk to me, I would talk back and I didn't have an agenda. I would just kind of speak how I would normally speak. And so it was clearly to me, it was me being my authentic self, me just being who I am, got me this position. Yeah. And so I almost had to do things in reverse. You know what I mean? Like I didn't know how to read news and I didn't know how to do commercials mm -hmm. and like all of those things that I then started to really kind of practice and work on and things like that. I just had to do everything in reverse. So for me, it was like, I need to stay true to what feels good in my gut, what feels good and like is authentic to me because that's ultimately why I'm here. But hearing you say that in my head, I'm like, that's the coolest way to get where you are, that you were literally yourself and people were like, I like her. No, totally. It's, it's so, it's, it's sad to me in a weird way yeah. because I'm like, I should be so proud of myself. And like, that is so cool and so special. And I, I'm not sitting here like being a, a crybaby, and I'm not like, I, I'm not sad every day or anything like that, but like, I'm really proud of, of what I've done and what I've accomplished. Mm -hmm. And it is really, really freaking cool, but it's weird because you always have that like little birdie in your head. That is that doubt or is that like, you don't deserve it. Mm -hmm. You're not good enough. And that can be really overpowering at times. I'm just thinking here, like processing your story and how, and I have my own story of how it shows up for me, not just in interviewing people, but in my actual job. I feel sad hearing that like me being who I am, just me being myself, people like that and gravitated towards it because that is so cool that they wanted you to be a part of the show because you showed up as just a human being. And to me, that is it like... I don't want to sound cheesy, but like that's inspiring to me. And I think that's the way that I want the world to be moving is we're bringing real people into spaces to talk and have a voice. Yeah. And you know, what's really interesting is because I was told certain things about my personality in terms of like, you are a strong personality. People can only handle you in small doses. Were you told that you're in your cartoon, job or like, like in your life? Yeah. At, at my job, like you're, oh. you're, you're a cartoon, like you're a cartoon character that it's, it's a lot. And so that does something to you. Right. Yeah. And so I then got this podcast with my best friend and that is all me, you know, like it is 50% her mm -hmm. 50% me and it's our personalities. It's our mm -hmm. lives. It is, that is me in my truest form. And that was really hard for me because I was just like, people don't like me in, in a large amount. And this is really scary. And I don't know if I'm ready for the critique of it all, you know? And so when our podcast got nominated for a people's choice award, it just goes to show that our listeners are that passionate about 
us and who we are and our stories and what we're doing. And then when we won it, I was just like, this is so wild. Like mm-hmm. it literally is. I don't want to use the term validation because at the end of the day, you really have to validate yourself. But it was more of like a confirmation of doing you, being authentic, living your life out loud and doing what feels right is working for you. So like, it's like, just shut everything else out, shut out things you've been told and just stick to your gut. Well, and I think it's okay to use the word validation because the reason that you had those like icky thoughts about, I have to like almost only be myself a little bit of the time or any of those thoughts you got. The reason you got those because somebody said that you didn't make it up, which is a lot of the icky negative stories we have in our lives. We don't just make them up. We have an experience and then that's how we make sense of that experience. But you know, what's funny. And I think that for most people, it's triggered by one person or one thing or one comment. And it's like, Mm -hmm. it kind of goes back to, again, with like social media, you know, you can see one negative thing and hear a hundred other amazing things about yourself and you stick to that negative comment. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like, I think that's where imposter syndrome comes from. It's like one person can have an opinion about you, but that's okay. You know, where like all these other people have a different opinion and yet you just fixate on that one person that thinks this way of you. And it's like, it's actually really sad. In my head, it goes to, well, that one person found out. Like that one person figured it out. That one person knows because a lot of the people that are struggling with this and even me, it feels like sometimes we're like tricking people and it's like, oh no, that they actually know the truth. What do you do with that when you do see the the one negative or let's, you won this award, but then I'm sure there's people that say things about whether it's your podcast or you on the radio or social media. Sure, sure. There is an occasional comment of like Tanya's annoying or she's, you know, she's this, but those are so far and few between that it's almost like I do know I can be annoying. Like I know myself I can be annoying. Like, and I apologize (laughs) to my friends sometimes because I'm like, I'm needy and I need their attention. And I think we all can be annoying at some time. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I kind of just try to focus on bigger picture things. Yeah. And it's interesting because I think a lot of people or what I've realized is a lot that a lot of people, a lot of women that reach out to me, they suffer from it when they have to go in and ask for a raise or if they want a promotion at work, they don't feel like they deserve it or they've Mm -hmm. earned it. And I think that a lot of the time when you're working in a corporate space, Mm -hmm. you don't know, you know, like sometimes there's budgets and there's things and they, they need to keep you at a certain pay or salary or, you know, you mm-hmm. don't know what's going on behind the scenes. It's not that you don't deserve it. Even if you ask and they say they can't do it, at least you asked, mm-hmm. you know, but like for some reason people can't, are too scared to ask mm-hmm. because they feel like they don't deserve it. And it's like, really like check yourself, you know, like, look, like, are you working hard? Are you, are you delivering what you should be mm-hmm. delivering? Like, are you moving the needle forward. And if you are, then like you have every right to ask for a promotion or whatever you want. But also at the end of the day, if they can't give it to you in that moment, or they can maybe change your title, but they can't give you more money, at least you stood up for yourself and you spoke up. And I think what's sad is when you when you feel like you can't ask because you don't deserve it. Yeah. And you know what, what else I just thought of with that 
I think imposter syndrome can be like a self-protective measure in those areas because let's say I have a fear that I might not deserve it or that I'm going to get rejected or whatever. This can be any aspect. It doesn't just have to have to be raises. It can be tests you're taking at school. It can be asking somebody out on a date. It can be anything. But if I just go ahead and tell myself not to ask for the raise, then I don't have to deal with the possible rejection of not right. getting it. And then it meaning something, then I can blame, Oh, I don't, I didn't, I didn't get the promotion because I didn't put myself in the running right? rather than I didn't get the promotion because they gave it to somebody else. And like that can be with like school stuff. I know, I know for me, I went to a school that I, for grad school that I didn't think that I should have gotten into, even though I got in. And so in my head, every class, I'm like, everybody else knows exactly what's going on. I don't really understand what's happening. I'm not going to ask a question because people are going to then know that I'm the dumb one. Yeah. And then also, I'm not going to go get extra help because then my teachers are going to be like, oh, we shouldn't have let her in. Yeah. Which is so, I mean, I wish I could go back to my younger self and be like, that is so wrong. But it did help me because in one area, because then I didn't have to deal with that. Like, well, what if people thought that? But at the same time, it hurt me because then I didn't learn the things that I could have learned. Like I just didn't straight up didn't learn things because I was like, I don't want it's too much. And I would just learn what I needed to learn to pass the test. Maybe not very well, but I passed yeah. it and I could have dug into so much more stuff at that school, but I was afraid of people thinking I was dumb. And because of that, what ended up happening is I didn't learn as much as I could have. Yeah. And I think what happens a lot too is like, sometimes people will feel that if they get, you know, a new manager type role over, you know, where they're managing other people and they're just like, what am I doing? I don't even know how to manage myself. And you try to like, look at other people and how they are doing it in their roles. When in reality, like, I think what's really cool is that we all get to create our own story just because you're in a certain, like, so I'm like, you know, whatever my box is like host or, you know, like personality it doesn't mean I need to be like every other host on the carpet or every other personality on the radio. Like I'm unique and I'm different and I bring a different thing. And so it's like, if you're a teacher, you don't have to necessarily go in line with, you know what I mean? Like you can reinvent Mm -hmm. the wheel. You can do different things. Like I heard about this, this woman, she, she just gotten this like managerial role. I don't know if that's how you say it, but (laughs) she got this promotion (laughs) and she wanted to do like a boot camp for the people that she was managing. And she did it with like a, I don't know if you've seen the show Ted Lasso. I saw one episode. I need okay, to go back so and watch it. Okay, so it's the Jason yeah. Sudeikis show, and it's really, it's really encouraging, and it's all about just like the power of positivity and like teamwork and mm-hmm. camaraderie. And so she basically used this example of the TV show to put her, you know, the people that were reporting to her in this like kind of Ted Lasso boot camp. And I was like, that is so creative and so cool and so outside the box, you mm-hmm. know. And I think, I think where we can kind of get tied up and we can really put limits on ourselves because we're like, Oh, I'll just do it like that person. Or, you know, like they've been doing this for so long and this is how they do it. So that's Mm -hmm. how I should do it. When in reality, you should just do everything the way that you want to do it and feels good to you. Well, yeah, because what you're saying is just because it doesn't look like what other people are doing doesn't mean it's wrong. Correct. And that is so simple. (laughs) Like that's the most simple thing, but I don't know why that gets so, is so tough. And, and what I, what I don't have is like one, a solution to this and two, a reason of 
why anybody, I think there's so many reasons that this can come up and this can be a thing, but that is the simplest thing ever. So hard to believe. Just like we can accept one piece of negative feedback, but it's so hard to accept positive sometimes. Yeah. I mean, and I'm telling you, like, I still, you know, I'm very confident in the person that I am today and what I'm doing. And I feel like mm-hmm. I have a purpose and a passion and a mission. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting is I still have these feelings. Like the other day I was in, I did this interview with pink and I got emotional in it and I kind of teared up. And mm-hmm. after the interview was over, I was beating myself up over it. I was like, damn, like, I should be more authoritative and I should be more professional. And that was more fangirly. And I was super in my head about it. Mm. And when I saw the reaction, that was the interview that everybody was connecting with and was feeling Mm. so like moved by and having positive reactions about that conversation and how I, you know, my style of interviewing versus, you know, whatever, other somebody else's and it was positive and it's so crazy because I was so in my head about it it checked me again to just kind of okay go with your gut go with your gut stop second guessing yourself yeah it's crazy which because people were probably connecting to that because that was you being yourself that was you being you that was that was they were watching something real versus I don't know much about like that field of work but versus just watching an exchange of questions and answers Right, right, right. It, that makes me think too, I don't know your experience and I'm open to hearing about it, but your experience with therapy and mental health and what that should look like. But me as a therapist, I had this idea that one, I needed to like have the answer and know how to like fix everybody that walked in my office, which is ridiculous. But two, that a therapist looks a certain way and a therapist talks a certain way and a therapist has certain boundaries and a therapist right. doesn't... And I struggled so much with that, especially starting a podcast because I talk about my life on here and I have clients that follow my Instagram account, which doesn't really put anything personal on it. But in my head, a lot of times I would doubt for a while in the beginning, especially which I think is normal, but I would doubt if what I was doing was right because of what I had made up in my head about what Mm -hmm. a therapist is. And what I also know is the number one healing agent to anything is a relationship. And so how I work is I am very relational in my client to therapist relationships, like very much so where we first really work on creating an attachment before anything else happens. But I'm not like in my head, I was like, I need to be like the old sweet woman, which... (laughs) I can't just like get old that sits in a chair and nods her head in this kind and infirming and leads this and that way and leads that that way. And I can be a freaking hot mess in a session. Yeah. I think it's interesting because it's like, yeah, you probably have this perception of the fact that like you need to wear shirts that cover your boobs and like pants and like whatever, I don't know, whatever the therapist, like professional workwear, like but in yes. a cardigan and, but it's like, if you want to strut around in a crop top in a session, like you can do that. And I'm mm-hmm. sure that there's people that want that in a therapist. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know. I think it's so, it is it's so interesting because we do, we put these, these images of what things are supposed to look mm-hmm. like. And in reality, like somebody might want that in a therapist, somebody that can relate right. to them that can, you know what I mean? 
Yes. Well, and I think that's, I mean, half the time I'm wearing workout clothes at work. Right, right. And I think that you're right. There are some people that would hate me as a therapist. Totally. That's okay. Right. Like there are, and there's people that I don't work well with. That is okay. But I think like, even with you talking about that interview, there might be somebody that's like, oh, that was, that was too much. She shouldn't have cried. But the fact that so many people connected to you doing that and there's so many people that can connect to me the way I work it's an all or nothing thing I I think comes up like we have to have everybody like us or everybody hate us or we have to know everything or we know nothing it's very all or nothing when like what if we just lived in this middle ground yeah (laughs) I don't know that is interesting I do I think uh, I mean I'm sure a lot of people deal with like I, I feel like the majority of humans are people pleasers and we don't like people not liking us I just think that's yeah. human nature and it's something I've asked so I I've never been to therapy until the pandemic honestly really um because I just I think the lockdown the beginning of the pandemic really messed with my head because mm-hmm. I'm a people person and I would go from job to job to job and I would see like a hundred people a day and then I would just come home and eat dinner mm-hmm. and crash and I would do it all over again with a smile on my face. I was going a hundred miles an hour mm-hmm. and I was loving every minute of it. And then it all just stopped and I was doing every, all my work from, from my apartment, not mm-hmm. leaving the house, like not even stepping outside. And I didn't have a balance and I really, really went dark for a while mm. to the point where like my podcast, our listeners would reach out and like, is Tanya okay? Is she doing okay? Wow. And it kind of checked me and I was like, I'm not doing okay. I'm not doing, not doing good. And so I looked into therapy and I started setting boundaries for more myself, like, mm-hmm. because I was just jam packing everything now. And then I started having more of a schedule where I would say, okay, if I'm going to do, you know, the morning show, then I need a two hour gap to like go walk outside or go on a sun run and then mm-hmm. I can do X, Y, Z, or, you know what I mean? Like kind of setting those types of boundaries for my mental health that really changed the mm-hmm. game for me. I actually appreciate you sharing that because I think that therapy, it's becoming less stigmatized in general, but the pandemic put us in overdrive. Yeah. Where I, I do think that a lot of people had this moment of like, I can't avoid this any longer. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do, too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. 
at JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. It's spring and with the weather changing and so many great things coming up like Mother's Day and the wind down tour, I definitely need a fresh spring wardrobe for every occasion. This spring, I'm looking for that perfect flowy spring dress for Mother's Day as well as replacing my everyday basics. That's what I love about JCPenney. They have so many stylish and comfortable options that I always find just what I'm looking for there. Spring is a feel-good season and comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. The fashion at JCPenney is the same way. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with styles that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her. Each in women's petite and plus sizes. And Stafford and Mutual Weave for him. Style and comfort for all, even big and tall. Plus even more for the whole family like Levi's and Exertion. Here spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. What I like about therapy and my relationship with my therapist is the opposite of, of you because I feel like I am that friend. I'm that person that everybody in my life can come to and I listen to all their problems and I help and I give my advice. And for my whole life, I could handle that. Mm-hmm. I could handle it. I was that I was that go to mm-hmm. girlfriend. And then once the pandemic hit, I couldn't, I was having my own issues. I couldn't take on everybody else's. Mm -hmm. So when I had my therapy, when I would have therapy, I didn't have to ask her anything. It sounds so selfish, but it's like, I didn't have have to know anything about her. I could just spew it all. And she just listens. I don't have to say, how are you doing? And -hmm. I know it sounds so silly, but just having that hour once a week to kind of just be able to like verbal it, just whatever and not have to say how are you doing how can I help you it was Mm -hmm. wildly game-changing yeah I love that because I think that so many people I see that I see that so often I've I have one client that will sometimes be like oh my gosh I forgot to ask you how you're doing and I'm like you don't have to do that (laughs) like you can but you don't have to feel bad if you didn't because that's not what this is about like and like I don't know I obviously ask her like she helps me manage different things that are going on and like work relationships and romantic Mm -hmm. relationships and all that kind of stuff and I have no idea if she is married single if she had like I know nothing nothing about her and for me it works I yeah No, but I like that. That's the really, I'm so glad you even said that now because that's the essence of what I'm saying is like, that doesn't make your therapist better than me. And it doesn't make me better than her. That just shows us that different people need different things. And that is okay. Yeah. Because I think I, you know, I, I, I would go to my friends for advice on things like that, Mm -hmm. but I'm like, well, they don't really know because they don't have a, you know, a significant other that is divorced, you know? So they, I don't really trust their opinion or, you know, I'll talk to my parents and I'm like, well, they don't really get it. They don't understand the entertainment industry. Mm -hmm. So with her, I just, I know, I know nothing. She is like a blank canvas and Mm -hmm. she's helped me work through so many things by me not knowing anything. In a super unbiased way. Yeah. And I think that that is something that I have to pay attention to of like, this person doesn't need to know this about me because that would interfere with this. 
But again, some people might want a relationship with their therapist because I think, uh, especially because of this pandemic, a lot of people felt very isolated oh, yeah. and alone. So they might want that relationship with yeah. you. A hundred percent. Yeah, you're right. That's just like a good reminder though, for me even to sit in the, fa- in, in that both of like, that is good. This is good. And it doesn't have to mean anything other than that. Okay. So I was going to ask you, and I think this is what you were talking about. You, was it the billboard? Was it the billboard? The awards? carpet that I just what did? Was that? Yeah. Yeah. Was that that? Was that the pink interview? Yeah. Okay. Well, I was going to, cause I, I, I was wondering, cause I saw that and that seemed like, was that a, and I asked this just not really knowing much about that industry. Was that like a big, um, like career marker being able to do that? Or have you done that before? That role that I did yeah. for E? Yeah. Yeah. No, that was huge. Okay. Um, because I, I know it's interesting because when you're not really in it, it all kind of like looks the same. So well, yeah, I do a lot of work with E like on the side. So they'll hire me to do different shows for award mm-hmm. season. I'm usually a part of a panel and I'm discussing things, which is very different than interviewing. And okay. so I've never interviewed people one-on-one like that back to back for okay. a big carpet on TV ever. So and one congratulations. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank but, you. But I was going to ask with the imposter stuff coming up and you kind of answered this already, but I was going to ask like, what did the prep look for that? Because we can go in overdrive. For sure. Because, well, the last time I had done it, um, I did it with a, another E personality that had been doing it for years and it was Jason Kennedy and he's a pro. Mm-hmm. He Mm -hmm. knows what he's doing. He's been, you know, doing it forever. And so I felt very calm knowing that I had him to kind of guide me Mm -hmm. and listen. It's very hard for me to listen to somebody in my ear and have a conversation with somebody. It's like, I can't multitask. I'm just not great at it. You have people talking to you in your ear while you're. Yeah. 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 They'll say like one minute or like 30 seconds, wrap it up, toss to break, toss to the panel. You know, like there's different direction that they're giving you in your ear. Yeah. But I get so focused on the conversation that I'm having that I it's hard for me to take direction like that. Mm-hmm. So I was very nervous and a lot of prep went into it. It's like, it's almost like, and this is going to sound so embarrassing. I treat it like a sporting event as if I were, were an athlete. So mm-hmm. usually like the week leading up to things like that, I don't drink. I try and go to bed really early. I eat super clean. I work out hard and I prep every single day in small mm-hmm. amounts. I don't like to just like, I'm like taking a final in college, you know, I don't want mm-hmm. it to be that overwhelming, but mm-hmm. I kind of really set myself up in like, it's like, I call it game day mode. And I just eat super clean, drink tons of water, just get everything right. And yeah, I just prep like crazy over prep, way over prep. Well, you know, what is funny to me, and I don't know that it's funny when you do that stuff, when I watch that stuff on TV, or if I listen to the radio, anything like that, I do not think about all of the stuff that really goes into one interview. I don't think about that. I don't know that you have somebody speaking in your ear telling you to wrap it up. Like how I just got anxiety thinking about how do you end if you're in the middle of somebody's in the middle of a sentence, how do you not cut them off? And how like, and so it got me thinking too, of what we sometimes tell ourselves. And I don't know if you sometimes tell yourself this, I do that it's not that hard. We should just be able to do things because it's not that hard. We make up a story that just because it looks easy, that it should be easy or it Mm -hmm. it is easy. Mm -hmm. When in reality, I do this all the time when people are like, oh my gosh, 
being a therapist must be so hard emotionally. And also like, how do you like, I just don't understand how you do it. And I, in my head, I'm like, it's not that hard. It, sh- it's not, it shouldn't be hard. I just, I, it is hard. It takes a lot of work to get to a place where you know what you're doing. Yeah. Or even like you take it, take it out of like a career setting. For me, um, I always used to tell myself that I couldn't run. I was like, I'm not a runner. I can't run. Running's not for me. Like, ew, no, like it was just not a thing. And I one day just decided I want to start running. I really want to be a runner. And I started out really slow. Like I would, I couldn't even run a mile. I would run half of a mile. Mm -hmm. Then I would stop and I would walk and even still to this day, like I'm not, I would, I, I, I can run like 10 miles sometimes, but I don't run the whole time and I slow down and I walk and, but I consider myself a runner now. Like I am a runner. And for so many years, I always told myself, I'm not a runner. I can't do it. And then I just tried and I kept going. And every day I just did a little more and I did a little more. And it's like, you really can. I think we also put limits on ourselves because again, we're scared or whatever it is, but it's like, the mind is a really powerful thing. And if you mm-hmm. commit to something and you really are determined to do something, you'd be surprised. What we tell ourselves usually is what happens. And yeah. you're talking about this idea of self-fulfilling prophecies. And if I tell myself I'm not a runner, then I definitely won't be. Right. 100% won't be. And that's what I think imposter syndrome does too. If it tells totally. us that we're not going to do something, then we don't do it. And then we're like, see, we were right. Or like people who have a, a, a like, say that, let's say they have a corporate job right now and their yeah. passion is like, whatever. They want to start their own pizza company. That's like always <laughs> been their passion. Yeah. They love pizza. They've been studying it. They like, that's, that's their thing. The thing. But they're like, I'm not business savvy. I'm not a businesswoman. Mm-hmm. I can't start my own company. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to keep doing this. And days go by, weeks go by, mm-hmm. months go by, years go by. And you never tried. Mm-hmm. What's the worst that can happen? You try, you fail. At least you tried. I think we think of failure in a messed up way. Like I really think that if let's say I, I started my pizza company and it didn't work out. I don't see failure as like, okay, you made, that was the wrong move. You shouldn't have done that. To me, when things don't work out, it's more of like a redirection of like, now take that and then it might lead you somewhere else. But if yeah. you would have stayed in that corporate job and never done the pizza thing, then you never would have come over here. Mm-hmm. Like it all failure is, is a step in the next direction that you need to go. Totally. If we looked at it failure that way, I don't even think that imposter syndrome would survive. I, I it wouldn't be a thing. Yeah. But when you said that about running, I teach indoor cycling at a studio in Nashville where I live. And I just did an episode on exercise and it was more on exercise addiction, but I talked about like just the benefits of it too, for our mental health. And then one of the reasons that we don't do things and I talked about running, but I talked about cycling too, is I hear so often when I'm like, you should come try a class or whatever. I can't do that. There's no way I can do that. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you probably can. You 100% probably can. But also we have to look at what is for you when you said, I can run 10 miles, I don't run the whole time, but I'm still a runner. That goes in that back to that perfectionistic mode that I can only do something if I do it perfectly. Right. And one of the most memorable things I've ever heard listening to any podcast was, it is a podcast called Fun Therapy. And it was with John Acuff, I'm pretty sure that's, yes, it was with him. Who's a writer and he's a speaker. And I don't know what they're talking about. I really know nothing from this episode except this thing that he said. And he said, 
as adults, we think that we have to do everything a hundred percent the first time we try. Yeah. However, as kids, they don't care. Like when you're four or five years old and you're like, mom, signing me up for soccer, you go play soccer and you don't know what you're doing and you're horrible, but it's okay. They don't care. They think they're doing great. And then that is how you get good at something is you start it. Yeah. But as adults, we're like, nope, I can only start running if I already can run 10 miles without stopping. Or I can only go to that cycling class if I can do everything perfectly, even though I've never been there before. And how would I know how to do that? Right. It's like, I then can, you oh, just sit, sit half the class or sit 75% yeah. of the class, get up a couple times. And then the next time get up a couple more. It's, yeah. it's so it's true. It's like, we feel like we have to do everything perfectly. But, and at the end of that, conversation they were having he said he asked what would you do and this is a question I want to ask you just curious what would you do if you only had to be 60% good at it what are the things that you might try in your life it's a big question I know I don't know because I'm kind of trying it all you're doing it yeah like Mm -hmm. I wrote a book proposal last year and it went nowhere and so I I scrapped it and I'm starting a new one I'm like I'm just to me no is is like um what do they say? Rejection is just redirection God's protection oh. or redirection. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm Christian. So I do the, mm-hmm. I take it to the God route, but mm-hmm. yeah, like it was like, okay, so that book wasn't, wasn't the route I was supposed to take that, mm-hmm. that story that I wanted to tell wasn't it right now, but this one feels like the story that I'm meant to tell right now. So I'm gonna try this and, and give that a go. And that doesn't go anywhere. Then I'll try something else, you know? And like, yeah, yeah that crushed me again, because yeah, the things that I'm doing, they're, they're me. This is my story. These are my stories. This is the life that I lived. And so it's really heartbreaking when people tell you, no, we don't like it or no, we can't sell it or no, you know what I mean? Whatever it is, Mm -hmm. it's very personal, Mm -hmm. but I also too, I'm like, okay, maybe this just isn't the right time and I'll try something else. And so I think rejection is really hard and it, you know, I cry a lot, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, I know everybody deals with it and not a lot of people see the rejection. You know, they see the highlights, they see, I won this award and I'm, you know, we're going to go on a tour with our, you know, we went on a tour for a few days and we sold out tickets and they see all these, the good things that are happening, mm-hmm. which are great. And I'm grateful and happy, but there's a lot of rejection behind the scenes. I filmed so many pilots that never went anywhere. I wasn't a big enough name to carry one of the shows, you know, like X, Y, Z, I've heard it and it's all really hard, but at the end of the day too, it's not going to stop me. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you said that because nobody sees the amount of rejection you face compared to what goes right, which is all, it's fine. Like you don't need to post every time something doesn't work out and you're allowed to celebrate your wins. But what we do is we compare our inside story to your outside story. And that's not fair to any of us. I'm sure you do that with people too. So I I think that might even be like one of the solutions. I don't think we'll ever fully get rid of imposter syndrome, but one of the solutions to that is if we looked at things that way of if failing was okay, and if I could only be 60%, if being 60% good at it is okay, would I do it? Yeah. And I also think too, yes, it's imposter syndrome can be debilitating in a certain way, but I also think it fuels you in a way Mm -hmm. that to me has been beneficial. Would I prep as hard as I do for things? Mm -hmm. If I didn't have that imposter syndrome, probably not. Mm -hmm. Would I make mistakes in a different way? Probably because I wouldn't Mm -hmm. try as hard. So in a weird way, it does fuel you and not in the way like 
for me, at least it's not like I'm going to prove this person wrong. And, you know, it's not that type of fuel. It's, it's a different type of fuel. And I think having a little bit of imposter syndrome can actually, if you utilize it correctly, can be a positive thing. I agree with that. And I think that that's similar to how having stress can be helpful too, depending on what it looks like and how you use it. And I think if you're one of the people who, which you also, it can go either way sometimes for you, but if your imposter syndrome does motivate you to try harder, that can be really helpful. I know in my past, my imposter syndrome made me procrastinate. So it wasn't as helpful. But I also think there is space for us to think we are good enough and prep and try and do all the things. There's a little, there's a balance of it. Can we take the, the good parts and match it with like, which I think it sounds like you are doing that match it with like, I am capable of doing this. It, it, it's funny because I always, I always gave imposter syndrome this negative connotation. Like when mm-hmm. I spoke about it and stuff, and it actually was my boyfriend that made me mm-hmm. realize that a little bit of it is a good fuel for me. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I think a lot of people deal with it. And I think it makes you grind a little mm-hmm. harder and more, a little more grateful mm-hmm. for things. And it's not necessarily a terrible thing. And I was like, mm-hmm. you know what? Wow. Mm -hmm. You're right. And it keeps you humble. Like, could you imagine if I was just like, I'm so great and la 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 la. Like, then you probably wouldn't be successful. No. And I'd be kind of a dick to work with. Like people probably wouldn't want to work with me. You know what I mean? So it's like, I think it, it, it's good. Because I think that imposter syndrome is very tied to an inner critic voice. And I did an episode back in October with one of my friends about befriending your inner critic and how your inner critic really is like a hurt version of you that is really trying to protect you. And that's what I think the imposter is. It's like, we don't, we know you're capable. We deep down know you're capable. We don't want you to mess up. So we need you to prep really hard for this thing. Yeah. So I do like that spin. We're going to end with a nice little spin on how we can use it in a good way at the end. Yeah. You let it fuel you and, and, and let it keep you humble because nobody wants to work with a know-it-all. You know, a narcissist. Nobody wants that. No, 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 not no, all. no, no. Even though sometimes we have to. <laughs> Correct. Um, Just don't date one. You know, yeah, that. Oh, that's, yeah. Yeah. Not yeah. Fun. Don't date a narcissist. No. Oh, that's another episode. OK, so thank you for having this conversation. I love this. This was yeah, helpful course. to me. Thank and you for I, having me. Yeah, I think people are going to love it. Can you shout out where people can find you and also your podcast? Yes, um, they can find me at um, Instagram and Twitter is just my name at Tanya Rad. And our podcast is called Scrubbing In with Becca Tilly and Tanya Rad. And it's just all pretty much Grey's Anatomy and girl talk. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> I mean, we're just two best friends. So it's yeah. like friendship, things that we go through as yeah. friends, love, life, period. Oh. I talk about periods a lot. Good. We need more of that. Yeah. We really do need more of that. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? 
Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual.